Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. There's Andy Wood. Hello there. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, this is uh, the day after the airing of the first Jim Jeffries show episode. It is. So both I and our guest today are slightly hungover. <laughs> Where'd you guys go? <laughs> they had an after party. I guess let's just get straight into yes, it. Our guest yes. is both a very fine comedian and also currently working on the Jim Jeffrey show as will many of the guests both past and present but I mean this is also like Portland comic and Bridgetown alum who we would have had on at some point absolutely a Bridgetown favorite and (laughs) Portland yeah Portland comedian who's recently moved down to LA the very funny Curtis Cook hey Curtis hello everybody thank you for having me Uh, yeah so yeah so they they had an after party at um, the London Hotel in West Hollywood haven't even heard of it it's uh and I'm in West Hollywood it's it's West West Hollywood. It's kind of near the. It's right next to like the area where the Viper Room and Whiskey A Go Go are. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so it's right down there, and it was like so they had was the gym ma- there. Oh yeah, yeah, like okay. the gym yeah. was there, and all the execs and everything, and all the agents looking like agents, and um, it was thrown by Comedy Central. Right. So it was like a proper party, and they. On the ground floor, they seem to have a party for it, the new remake of it. Oh. So that <laughs> so that was on the le- left there, and then we were upstairs. We were on the rooftop. I want a picture of them forcing all the cocktail waiters and waitresses to be dressed up as Pennywise, just like yeah. tons of clowns. <laughs> it, was, it, it was it was entertaining because I we carpooled there, so I drove up in past guest of the show uh, Suba Agawal's uh, renter wreck. Oh. Because she's only temporarily in LA. Might be full time in LA if this show runs and runs. Who knows? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. But she's for the moment renting a car from Rent a Wreck, which is exactly as it sounds. It's, it's really a shitty car. Oh, it's a terrible car. It's oh, sh- I didn't know. It was, I thought they were just like tongue in cheek. They just mean it's like ten years old or something. No, it's. Uh, I mean, well, it, it's. I mean, it's not. It works. But it's a shitty car. It's a shitty. I would say a good fifteen years old. Trash. Uh. Like it's got scratches and stuff, and then pulling into this valet parking. Oh, I love it. At this five-star Hollywood hotel. That was always my favorite thing at the Sofitel for the podcast festival was making them valley my 98 Saturn. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Stick shift. Sometimes it just... Yeah, there's like it... Teslas and Porsches. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you're just giving... Like making the va- the valet had to come around to the other side because only one side of the windows work. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then like handing the key over to the valet and then... As, as he was driving off, I got shouted afterwards, like, don't scratch it. <laughs> we'll be watching. Yeah, I think um, someone was telling me that one of like Seth Rogen's writing partners, maybe Evan, who are his writing partners? I don't know. Some guy had like a 80s Buick that he would just drive onto the Sony lot every day because he just didn't give a shit. And eventually who, who, Sony. Who's writing partner? Uh, Seth Rogen's. Okay. And eventually Sony just bought him a new car because they said, we can't have you driving onto the lot with this because everyone <laughs> thinks we're not paying you. Like, it looks bad on us. I was like, okay, whatever, I'll take the car you gave me. Well, I, I, there is some pride in that. Like, I, Stanhope, uh, Doug Stanhope takes pride in, he often flies business class because he's a successful comic sure. and takes pride in dressing as shittily as he possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> so he's sitting in the lounge and then yeah. the business class seats. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. So when you're walking up to sit next to someone rich, like, oh, God damn it, this guy just got like a free upgrade because someone died or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's an administrative error. Yeah, it was fun, right? It was a fun little party. Oh, it was great. It was super fancy. Anytime there's like 
food on a tray that's being like hand out <laughs> to people. Low bar, Curtis. I, yeah, I like. <laughs> I feel like I. It was weird because I I was on the list, but I felt like I shouldn't have. Been. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're one of the writers. Like your name's in the credits and everything. But it's just fancy places freak me out. <laughs> it's imposter syndrome. It's not just for ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets it. Not everybody gets it. I guess if you don't get it, I'm worried about your uh, about your ego. You know, if there isn't some part of you that's like, I don't deserve this. Like everyone yeah. should have a tinge of that, or else you're an entitled. You know, that, that, Trump never had that feeling in his entire life. <laughs> yeah, you know, from the moment he was born, he was like, I, I deserve to be everywhere that I am. Never, never is there a place that I'm not good enough for. Yeah, it's weird yeah. when someone is even suggesting that I might not be worthy of a situation yeah. or a position. Yeah. yeah. Not to get into politics, but are you guys excited for tomorrow? I guess we've already leaked what uh, the news is already. We already know what Comey's going to say, but uh, yeah, do you well, think it's going to be a thing. I don't know. It's going to be weird. tomorrow. We've. <laughs> I'm kind of dreading tomorrow because we've got a shit ton of writing to do. Because I'm, we're writing a topical show, and tomorrow is the Comey deposition or whatever it is in right. the morning, and then the UK election results in the afternoon. Oh shit! Yeah. So both of those will potentially be things on the show, and we have to write them in a day and a half. Yeah, I'm just bummed because I've really grown to like the CNN countdown. It's so crazy <laughs> to have a countdown for a deposition <laughs> for like, like forty hours, fifty yeah, hours, like three days. It's been counting down, and like for three days, it's been counting down by the second. Like it's not just hours and minutes; it's like seconds. Oh, how many seconds is it to this thing that's happening midweek next week? It's like, is this a moon landing or a guy saying someone might have suggested that I should do him a favor? Like that's the thing he's going to say at the end of the countdown. Because I was asked to do someone a slight favor, and then there was some difference in word choice in our conversation <laughs> yeah i keep i i've got past the point where i think any specific thing is going to make a difference yeah it's so subtle like he's saying uh I, he asked me will you be loyal and i said i'll be honest how about honest loyalty and he said okay and i said okay <laughs> like what that's- yeah that's the thing it is now at least from the sort of conspiracy theory side of things and the trump supporters it's so much it's going to be so much more nuanced than like yeah everything that everything that we think is the, like the smoking gun is the thing that's going to trigger the end of it all it just ends up i you know most you'd think confessing to sexual assault in a on a live mic <laughs> yeah on a bus might be the thing but steamrolled over that one <laughs> billy bush didn't survive that one though that's the crazy thing like after trump was elected billy bush should have instantly been given his job back and be like we can't hold you to a higher standard than the, <laughs> the president, president. <laughs> like he's okay. uh, he's got a thing in the works right he's coming billy, back he's probably fine he's a bush and he's actually a bush right he's yeah. related to the to the bush like bushes second cousin or something something like that yeah okay we can't go down this political rabbit hole again um but we do always ask our guests before we get into stories curtis what if anything is your background in science I love science very much. <laughs> Did you have any classes you remember in high school, liking or disliking? <laughs> I remember uh, in college I stopped being a psychology major because I hated neuroscience. And I remember in high school, uh, we just, all I remember is learning about photosynthesis every year. Okay. Of <laughs> like they school. kept bringing it up again. Yeah, like there was only two things in science, and it was photosynthesis and how to make a catapult. 
and that was it. Wait, what? What kind of <laughs> what kind of science is catapult? Made? It was like physics. Like every year, we had to like make some kind of a weapon at home, and it just okay. ended up being people's parents making a weapon for them. What, <laughs> sending them what area of the country is this? Oh, I'm from Ohio. Okay. <laughs> what part of Ohio? Uh, outside of Cleveland. Auburn Township, Ohio. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. from Michigan. Not not that close, not that far, but yes. uh, yeah, it's a relatively yeah. similar area. Did you go to Cedar Point? Yeah, you go to Cedar Point. Did you guys have? Did your science classes also have like a physics day at Cedar Point every year or not? We might have. I think we used to. The school used to go on like big field trips, and then 9/11 happened, and we stopped doing that. Uh, okay. And then we used to go on small field trips to like parks and stuff. And yeah. then I. Went to a batting cage to impress a girl and got hit in the face and shattered my skull. And now they don't go to theme parks anymore. <laughs> you stopped the whole thing. Yeah, I ruined oh. field trips for generations of children. <laughs> did it glance off your bat or did you just stand right in the path of the... I, uh, it just hit me right in the eye and then... Uh, off of the bat? No, just out of the <laughs> machine. Spingy. And then I was like crying a lot and my parents were like, you'll be fine, put some ice on it. And then three days later I was not fine and it turned out my bones were broken. <laughs> God. <laughs> and they can't reset those bones, right? You just oh yeah, them. they like go in through your gums so you don't have a scar, and they put in a bunch of bolts. Like where around your eye socket? Yeah, like right in this area, like just below the eye. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So I know, like, I've been a victim of science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you get to take the base though? No, I just <laughs> uh, I just cried and I stopped trying to impress that girl. Oh man! And wh- how old were you again? I would I would have been twelve I think. That's a that's a bad time to get hit in the face at a bad engagement from a girl. Yeah, one <laughs> of the worst ages for that. Real impressionable time. Were you previously adept at batting, or was this just? No, it was the first time I'd ever gone to a batting cage. <laughs> I was like, how hard could this be? <laughs> She's gonna love pitch? it. Were you standing in the wrong place, or was it a wild machine pitch? Like, was it out of the strike zone? I th- I'm being. I was probably looking at her. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's uh, that's actually I forgot I I briefly played baseball because my parents made us play every sport and I hated all of them, but um I stopped playing baseball when kids started pitching because I pitched and I hit a kid and I was like oh wait if I can hit a kid someone else can hit me I'm done I'm no more of this sport I'm done that's a smart decision though yeah yeah there's a level of science involved in that yeah it's sort of like a according to this sample based. size of one yeah. I can extrapolate if to the sample size of two I am a pitcher I am bad at pitching it's doubtful that I'm the only person who's bad at pitching <laughs> yeah that was the end of that um, so you guys didn't yeah I think it was it was senior year physics classes in high school would go to Cedar Point it was one day when the park was just physics classes I think and you had to do some kind of experiment that was usually just like put a penny on your knee and go in the demon drop and watch it float around as you're <laughs> free falling at the same so it's just, so Cedar Point is a theme park yeah it's like Magic oh Mountain. Yeah, yeah sorry it's, totally. uh, it's America's roller coast it's yeah. in Sandusky Ohio unfortunately named in light of the Penn State's scandal um, but yeah, I think it always it's it's always something like an arms race with the other parks to have the tallest and fastest. I don't know if it currently does, but at times it's had the world's okay, so tallest it's like a, and one of the, fastest. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good. It's one. A, like a roller coaster, roller park. coaster park. Yeah, it's not like a Disneyland like uh, where it's more about the atmosphere. Yes, no, like I like Six Flags for that. Like I'm a roller coaster fan, and Six Flags. If you've been to that near LA, is yeah, like, Cedar the Point theme Six is, Flags are, are neck and neck. I mean, Cedar it, Point but, I think is better, but yeah, cool. Yeah, the, the theme at Six Flags is. So tenuously alluded to, I think it's like a Warner Brothers. Well, there's thing. a few things they own, or they're they have DC. They have DC uh, 
superhero themed rides. They got the Looney Tunes. But there's like the that Marvel might be like cartoons. Yeah. A student wandering around in like a Batman T-shirt or something, and that's yeah. as much as they go. No, in the there's current. no. There's a Batman. There's a couple Batman rides. There's the Riddler ride, yeah. and there's like the Superman. But uh, but there's nothing oh, to yeah. connect that right to the concept of Batman, other Just than it colors. really has like Batman stuck in it. It's painted the colors of Batman. Yeah, like when you're waiting in line, you walk by some. They try to make it seem like you're in his fortress of solitude or something. Yeah, and the Riddler a, ride is just painted green and that's about it, really. Yeah, and there's a ride that my favorite ride is, I think it's just called Apocalypse and it was designed, I think it was built during one of the Terminator sequels, like like Salvation or one of those ones in the last 15 years and they must have lost the, the rights or the partnership with Terminator so they just had to scrub all Terminator stuff from it but it still is very obvious it was Terminator-y there's even one robot skeleton that just maybe they just like put a face on it or something that's a Terminator that's a Terminator right there there's no way that's not Sarah Canna right yeah yeah <laughs> we gotta go back there I haven't done a Magic Mountain trip in a while yeah it's hard now Now that we've got this oh, okay fancy this job having guys I know yeah, but yeah. it's like that's the, the, the one of the annoying things about now having a an office job that has normal work hours so you miss one of the best things about just being a stand-up which is you can go to stuff during the day yeah. at times yeah. when other people aren't like going to a theme park during the school term yeah weekday oh, on a yeah. yeah on a tuesday morning or tuesday afternoon yeah and just walking onto these rides i'd even never even thought of using that time for that oh That's it's great. the best do you ever go to legoland I've never been to Legoland. Is oh, it fun? No, I've never been. It's like on my to-do list, but I've yet to make the trip. Are there rides? Or are you just looking at impressive sculptures? I think, I think there's rides. Are there rides? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Are they made out of Legos? Oh. Is there like a thrill and danger to it? <laughs> you got to hope that no five-year-olds come around and rearrange the safety gear. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's rights. I've never been to Knott's Berry Farm, which they're, they're the ones that have the rights to like the Peanuts characters, right? It is seems like thing? every... Because Cedar Point has that, too. They have the Peanuts characters? I feel like Schultz is just getting just paid a lot t- of ways. Or his kid. He's yeah, dead, I, right? If, if I mean, why would you be too precious with that brand? I would be like, yeah, put it wherever. I don't fucking... It's about a, de- <laughs> it's about a depressed, balding eight-year-old. Like, <laughs> It's surprising it's marketable anywhere. It's such a dark <laughs> comic strip. Yeah, who saw that one taking off? So weird, and like as a kid, I thought of it as like Snoopy centric. That that's the character kids like the most because like you can't believe this got famous, yeah, on the back of Charlie Brown, like literally a clinically depressed, <laughs> bald, bald child, yeah, who's clearly a the cipher first, for the writer. Like it's you've seen the first like, Peanuts cartoon, haven't you? The first ever comic strip uh, uh, is if it's if it's what I think it is. There goes Charlie Brown. Let me see if this is true. Yeah, 1950. There's two kids sitting on a street corner. Well, here comes old Charlie Brown. And he's walking by him. Good old Charlie Brown. Yes, sir. Keeps walking by. Good old Charlie Brown. And the last frame is the one kid just saying to another, how I hate him. <laughs> That's the whole comic strip. 1950. What about post-war America? It's it's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Uh, I don't have a good transition. I do. Oh, good. Okay. I well, hey, we was going for transition. I'm just talking naturally, and who knows what might come up. <laughs> hey, hey, you know how you were very much beaten by that batting machine. Ah, <laughs> I like this. You know what else? Machines will be better than humans at in the near future, specifically around 43 years from now. Is it everything? Pretty much everything, <laughs> according to this story. Uh, AI will, will beat humans at 
pretty much everything. I think it particularly means within the board game world and that kind of thing. But by 2060, say experts, enjoy beating robots while you still can. There's a 50% chance that machines will outperform humans in all tasks within 45 years. Or... So I guess even not I guess not just board games, according to a survey of more than three hundred and fifty artificial intelligence researchers. Talking like battles of the bands is? Yeah. Okay. Well AI oh. will master many activities a lot sooner though. Machines are predicted to be better than us at translating languages by twenty twenty four. Wow, that seems like, reasonable. Yeah. Less than a decade from now. Writing high school essays by twenty twenty six. It doesn't say writing essays. It says writing yeah. high, school high school essays. Well I presume that's like Okay, it will. That's a way of saying that it will be at the are high also hard for machines. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be at the high school level of essay writing by 2026. I presume probably the university level, not long after that. Driving a truck by 2027, working in retail by 2031, writing a best-selling book by 2049. That one is so specific, so like the best-selling part is not a, a quantitative. You have to put it out and see if it sells. Yeah. It's like, it's like when people go to you and go like, I need a viral video. That's well, yeah, You don't get to determine whether it's viral. Like You're saying, making a video. I need a successful song. Yeah. Um, and surgery by 2053. Oh, that one's exciting. Well, I the guess surgery seems like it would come before the best-selling book, doesn't it? That's well, the robots have to find themselves first. Yeah, I guess. They- yeah. I mean, a lot of apparently being a surgeon is confidence, and we know how robots are prone to self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um. In fact, all human jobs will be automated within the next 120 years, say respondents. When will robots be better at stand-up comedy? I would, I would guess by the best-selling book phase, right? How could you write a best-selling book and not also have the ability to craft yeah. jokes well, that would be... It does say best-selling book and not like, like great classical literature. Okay, so, so there is like a different... John Gresham books. Is yeah, like a, like a Dan then, Brown. Yeah, it's like a Dan Brown, not a Margaret Atwood. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so the machines will master blue collar comedy like a decade before really yeah. good comedy. I think so. Yeah, okay. I think I think like they'll by twenty. I reckon by the twenty fifties they'll be catchphrase based robot comedy. Great hack comedians yeah. that are fully automated. <laughs> Get her bleep blorp. Yeah. I don't know what the they'll be able to do. Good. Like they'll be able to do crowd work and stuff. They'll they'll be able to uh, uh, find two guys sitting together and allude to them being homosexuals, which, as we all know, is disgusting and therefore worthy of being mocked. Right. <laughs> as as all good hat comedians are aware, point point at them and then say "Brokeback Mountain," which is a movie from a good decade ago <laughs> featuring Just gay people. Something about having a brick wall behind you really brings out the homophobia. <laughs> I don't know if it's that bully or be bullied instinct where you're like, my, my back's against the wall. They're going to mock me if I don't pick on someone else first. Yeah. I'm just going to... Um, you're so, ugly. You're fat. You're, you might be gay. Everyone laugh at him. Do you remember the uh, DJ 3000 robot from The Simpsons? Uh, yes. Would you like those clowns if Congress did it again? What a bunch of clowns. <laughs> How does he keep up with the news like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who wrote that joke. That's a great joke. That's a classic. That's that's midnight. That's heyday of Simpsons. I don't know what exact season, but yeah. Um, so this survey by the University of Oxford and Yale, uh, or the universities of Oxford and Yale, because there isn't a combined one, was sent to AI researchers who published in 2015 at one of two big conferences in the field, the Conference on Neural Information Processing Systems, and the International Conference on Machine Learning. In total, 352 people responded. 
The results have far-reaching social consequences, says Katia Grace at the Machine Intelligence Research Institute in Berkeley. How will teachers generate deal with computer-generated essays that are indistinguishable from the real thing, for example? Maybe we stop making kids write essays, because why the fuck do we have to write essays? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's... Well, yeah, why would you have to write an essay if you don't need a job when you graduate? Oh, that's a good point. We're in a post-job. We're also post-singularity, theoretically, by that point. So we've all been melded into the fucking matrix or whatever. Yeah, well, that that is an interesting thing. Because people still, politicians and campaigners, talk about like job and work and the jobs are going to go. Surely we should be transitioning to working out a world in which people could be fed and exist and yeah. don't have to work and can choose to work if they have specific work they want to do and for a while for a time there will be jobs that only humans can do uh, but yeah what we talked about this what with, do you need with what, Rick Rosner about having that basic universal minimum income thing yeah what, what do you what do you need money for you need money to buy food and and you need the money to buy food because the people who farm and deliver the food need to be paid for that and you right. need money to buy, buy entertainment like if if all of that is automated then you've got enough stuff you just gotta figure it, out how yeah. to distribute it fairly and that has to be and everyone gets worried that someone's gonna get something for doing less than they did so no one wants to just be like how about baseline everyone gets yeah. their food and healthcare taken care of then if you want to aspire to more but again it, it, it is this and it's affecting it's affecting modern it's affecting politics right now because people like Trump get swept into power Promising to bring back the coal industry and and also and maligning crazy and also maligning immigrants for taking your jobs when in fact it's it's automation automation and globalization that is taking your jobs like it's the fact that these jobs don't exist anymore because what used to have to be done by sixteen people can now be done by a machine supervised by five people. Yeah, why isn't he promising to, like, bring back blockbusters and fucking VHS repairmen and stuff? Like, what? <laughs> it's only coal. He doesn't care about everything else going away. Which, as has been pointed out by various sources, coal, the ho- entire coal industry employs fewer people than Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. That's amazing. God. So, what, yeah. What's going to happen to, like human people like not in the sense that like we won't like uh, frame this poorly what if all your jobs are taken and you are given a living wage and yeah. universal health care do you just like sit and think about well then the you, misery in your heart that's like, that's when it comes down to like what what's your theory of the fundamental nature of man like are we all going to become artists and like are we going to be at the top of like maslow's hierarchy of needs and be not that that's been kind of disproven as a thing, but yeah, are we all suddenly just going to be high-minded, meditating? Like, no, there's going to be people who are going to be fucking idle and easy to talk to be talked into doing horrible things because people do have to be kept busy to some extent. Like, some yeah. people can be left alone with their thoughts and be okay, but others will be fucking insane. And you'll have like people raising armies, and but the robots will be so good at fighting them that yeah. it won't even be like a rewarding. Uh, but then Army. again, maybe then we've also like mastered neurochemical shit, so we can make ourselves constantly happy. And oh like, shit! We just like perfect Molly, like yeah, robot no perfected <laughs> Molly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm excited for the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. Constant Molly. That sounds like a kind of hell, also though. I don't know. Oh, everything's gonna be bad. You just gotta pick your devil. Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Know. 
So despite media hype about the dangers of AI, researchers only put a 5% chance on computers bringing about outcomes near the level of human extinction. AIs can already outperform humans in many tasks. AlphaGo, Google's DeepMind AI, has just beaten the best hope human Go player in the world. And Go is way more complex than, than yeah, chess. Yeah, I think we talked about it when it happened. So Go for a long time was seen as the as the ultimate challenge in humans playing computers at board games because like there was obviously the deep blue uh, Kasparov battle was it now 15 years ago or so probably more 20 years ago yeah Um, where yeah the world's greatest chess player got beaten by an IBM supercomputer Mm -hmm. but Mm. uh, but chess has far fewer permutations Go has so many possibilities for each move it's like more more moves than there are atoms in the universe or something yeah because you it's a, it's a 13 by 13 grid and unlike chess where you start off with the pieces in certain places and they can only go in certain places there's so much more freedom as to where you can put you put the pieces on on the grid yeah and there's a lot of freedom as to where they can go so there's so many more options for every single move why would anyone make this game uh they're asian and 2000 years ago and bored is it that old? <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually know how old Go is as a game. But um, I will look it up while we're chatting. But um, So that's been crossed up. DeepMind. Yeah, it has so many more options. So they, But again, they use machine learning and train the computer to use some of the, some of the strategies that humans use and then better. So here we go. Go invented in ancient China more than two and a half thousand years ago. Therefore Damn. believed to be the oldest board game continuously played today. Wow. And yeah, it has... And the idea is you sort of... You surround your pieces. You surround your opponent's pieces. You capture regions of the board. Okay. Um, with more possibilities than the total number of atoms in the visible universe. Oh, shit. I just remembered that but didn't read it in the article. I'm surprised I remembered that. And... Uh, and oh, I was wrong about I was wrong about the size of the board. So beginners play on smaller 9x9 or 13x13 boards. But... It's 19 by 19 is the professional level grid. It's a big board. <laughs> that's a, so yeah, there's a huge number of places that each piece can be moved, can be placed. So huge, huge numbers of options. So yeah, they thought, ah, it's, it'll, it was thought a while ago that computers won't beat humans at Go for decades and decades. Yeah. But the advances in machine learning have actually meant that AlphaGo, which is Google's, Google's DeepMind AI, has beaten it. And then other systems can lip-read better than the professionals or help detectives sift through police data. Yet each of these is only good at one task and would be useless at most others unless retrained. There is accumulating evidence that machines can overpower human intelligence in complex, though specific tasks, says Eleni Vasilaki at University of Sheffield. But there is little evidence that AI with human-like versatility will appear anytime soon, she says. The survey results showed no link between the seniority of a researcher and the predictions they made. But where people were from did have an impact. Those in Asia typically gave shorter time frames than those in North America. Predicting, for example, that AI would outperform humans on all tasks within 30 compared to 74 years. This will, may well be an interesting demonstration of culture at work when forming opinions about technology. This is Leslie Wilcox at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Yet the responses are not always consistent, such as those concerning which game AI will master next. 
They predict the humans, the AI will surpass humans at the video game StarCraft in six years <laughs> compared to all Atari games in nine years, says Georges Yanakis at the University of Malta. Some Atari games are hard, but nothing like StarCraft. <laughs> I and, love StarCraft. That's a good game. Did you play yeah. that? Yeah. With Kerrigan, right? She's the one that gets taken by the Zerg. I ne- I, my college friends got big into Warcraft and StarCraft, and I never, like... The last game I was super into was like Duke Nukem 3D. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Is that StarCraft and Warcraft? I never got the. Is, is it sort of like War, Warcraft in terms of building up armies and things? Or yeah, is it actually battle based. It's like it's like uh, it's like Warcraft in that sense. It's just got a. I remember really liking video games for like the story like I, yeah. I'm, I like YouTube now because you can just watch the storyline of someone who's beaten the game which is that's, all I need that's right <laughs> no seriously because like people would talk about how great Bioshock was and I played it for a little while I'm like I'm not going to dedicate the time to beat this but everyone raves about the story I just want to watch the movie of Bioshock yeah. and see what happens <laughs> just read the Wikipedia plot yeah, description yeah because it I was like, really great the atmosphere was really awesome but I was like I I'm feel like that about comics this. like I never I never got into comic books as a kid yeah and 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 I find them quite hard going to read, but I I like with some of the superhero stuff. I quite like the mythology. I, so I quite I quite like the storyline. So sometimes I will just go into Wikipedia hole. I'm just <laughs> yeah. reading about all of these X Men characters. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So they did that. I'm like, I'm not going to dedicate the thousand hours to read that entire comic book. Yeah, but I quite yeah. like to know. Oh, that's a cool story. Yeah, idea. it's a good. But you were. A kid at like peak comic book time, yeah, right? Yeah, never got into it. And well, it's considered peak think, comic book time. I don't know. I assumed it was like seventies. Uh, was like, <laughs> you think Matt was a kid in the seventies? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have no idea what what the different eras are. But I know, like, when I was briefly into them in the nineties, uh, people I've heard of people talk about this. Other comics talk about how there were these cash grab things of like rebooting the. Spider-Man franchise like the Tom McFarlane years so everyone's like oh I can buy a number one of something like well guess what they're not gonna like print a small number of these yeah like nothing about a number one is inherently valuable it's just like scarcity and they're gonna print the fuck out of these there were like five different covers of the Tom McFarlane Spider-Man number one from like 1990 so kids would buy every one of them and you know presumably think like oh this is a number one and somebody it's gonna be worth it's like no there are still tons of those. They probably yeah. go for like three bucks now, twenty-seven <laughs> years later, instead of two fifty. So everybody felt about Pokemon cards is like yeah. saving all the holographics, and now they're still worth nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it requ- everyone's mad about their parents throwing away their comic books in like the fifties and sixties, but those parents had to throw them away in order for the remaining comics <laughs> to have any value. Those parents were, were doing like De Beers style market cornering. <laughs> um, so just to finish off this story. Uh, most of the survey focuses on the cognitive aspects of intelligence that fit well-defined tasks. The parts of intelligence, such as emotional intelligence, go beyond cognition, says Yanakis, or y- Yanakakis. Rather. It would be interesting to ask when AI will surpass humans at being art or movie critics. Mm. This reminds me of... Uh, have we talked about Moravec's paradox on here before? Uh, no, what's that? It's the idea that... Uh, Essentially, it's easy to make a computer play chess or something like that, but it's tough to make a robot that can play catch. Uh, counterintuitively, the older the skill set is, evolutionarily speaking, the harder it is for us to make a machine do it. So, like things that are just natural to us and seem like they're low intelligence, like just physical balance and stuff that we've evolved way earlier than we evolved the higher cognition to play chess and shit. That seems easier to us because we don't think about it, but it's way harder to make a machine 
do that. Or uh, the guy who is named yes. for Hans Moravec says, it is comparatively easy to make computers exhibit adult-level performance on intelligence tests or playing checkers and difficult or impossible to give them the skills of a one-year-old when it comes to perception and mobility. That kind of makes Which sense is, if you yeah. think about just the 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 sheer dexterity and balance of like an animal. Yeah. Like the thing of yeah. a monkey swinging through a tree or a dog running or whatever you go yeah you and then you think about robots that have been designed to try and do that kind of thing and they look weirdly ungainly and yeah those yeah. robots those darpa things you can kick and they kind of catch themselves but yeah <laughs> they don't look graceful doing it <laughs> but i really like the videos of the it's scientists so just kicking yeah, this million dollar machine <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like go get, like like they've got a special instrument. Go and go and put on your special kicking shoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they just look like shelter dogs. They just seem like that they come back they're kinda of more sheepish than the last time. Like, what's he gonna do to me? But machines don't have like souls, so you can kick them. I it know it's good. When they walk like that it seems like they they have intent. Like you wanna <laughs> help them out. When so if machines are going to be better at humans at all tasks, by what was it, 2036? 2060. 2060. Is and that, that obviously is an unscientific... This is a survey rather right. than a scientific study. But if that's the theory, but also they're worse at things that we are have been doing longer evolutionarily. Right. How... When are we going to... When are robots going to be really good at sex? Because mm. it seems like some of them are like working their way towards that. But well, it depends what you mean by good at sex. <laughs> when will a robot hold me post coitus? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're just talking about like the physical movements, they'd probably now with like, like <laughs> um, really? Well, no. but, but there's, it's, yeah, there's sex robots all over the place. But not. But they're just gonna go like at a constant. There doesn't give me no feedback loop where they're gonna be like, okay, I need to slow the rate and like change up something. Like, well, look at Mister Advanced Sex. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm curious when the specialists, <laughs> when these people would think that robots would literally be better than us at sex by any definition of sex. Yeah. Oh, by any definition. Or just like by having feedback, like sensing a partner's. <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> like right when a stop. robot is going to know like what it's going to come to soon and like back yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because the first generation of real sex robots are just going to be like they're going to short. They're too young, the, way too. The quick. robots are too young. They're too eager. They're too, yeah. They'd probably be influenced by the porn they've grown up watching. They didn't know foreplay was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they have to go to their uh, robot parents' cars. Like, all right, let's go. Yeah, it says, yeah. Uh, it says robots won't find the G spot until twenty eighty. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so dumb. It's very dumb. Where to go from there? You know who probably had a hard time with foreplay on account of having uh, short, stubby arms? Was it was it T Rexes? T Rex, yeah, they're probably pretty bad at story that Powell sent. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I don't have it open in front of me, so I thought maybe you. How did T Rexes? Did they? How? Hmm. Uh, Are they like a graphs? Not graphs, but like. Because it wouldn't be like the bending style of a normal animal, right? Because of the stubby arms. I think it would actually be easier to mount. Like, they sort of naturally slot on top of each other. But the tail would get in the way. How did T-Rex's bone... Oh, yeah, wait. How did... How do the... Where do the females have... That's a fair point. How do they... That's a great point. Where does the tail go? Does the female raise her tail high enough that... The male gets like underneath there on the dinosaur? It doesn't seem like it raises. Holy shit, it always seems like it goes side to side. I've never thought about dinosaurs fucking until right now. (laughs) Of any kind. They've all got long tails. Where the fuck? How do they? 
This is why well, they're what, extinct. What, what other animals, to modern animals, have similarly long tails or similarly? Un- I mean, I don't, are the tails wide though? I bet the tail can be pushed sort of to, to one side t- and up a bit. Uh, I know we have paleontologists <laughs> and zoologists who listen to this show. How if do long-tailed you, dinosaurs fuck? Yeah, if you have an answer to this, please email us in and remember to mark your envelope, dino fucking. <laughs> so, um, T-Rex has had scales, not feathers, said a study on Wednesday, which rescues the giant lizard's reputation as a fearsome killer with a rough and tough hide. Recent research has claimed to provide evidence for feathers in ancestors of T-Rex and suggested the iconic carnivore may itself have sported bird-like plumage rather than reptilian scales. Those findings challenge a long-held contention that large-bodied dinos had no feathers, requiring them for neither warmth nor flight. Um, for the new study, an international team of scientists tracked down museum samples of skin from T-Rex and several of its cousins in the Tyrannosaurid family and compiled a database of fossilized hide impressions. These included skin patches of the neck, pelvis, and tail of a T-Rex from the Houston Museum of Natural Science, as well as samples from four other members of the extended Tyrannosaurid family. The group that roamed the planet during the late Crete, uh, Cretaceous, which extended from 99 million to 65.5 million years ago, when an asteroid slammed into Earth and wiped out all land-dwelling dinos. Um, the team concluded that extensive feather coverings in Tyrannosaurids, which lived much earlier, were already lost in the common forefather of T-Rex and its cousins about the time that the le- that late period began. The data provides compelling evidence of an entirely scaling covering, scaly covery for, uh, for T-Rex, the team wrote in the Royal Society Journal Biology Letters. Our discovery of fossilized scaly skin similar to that of modern reptiles on the bodies of a wide variety of Tyrannosaur species, including T-Rex, paints a more traditional scaly skin picture of these huge predators. They wrote in a press summary. This suggested in turn that most, if not all, large-bodied Tyrannosaurus were scaly, and if partly feathered, these were limited to the dorsum, which is what they call the back. (laughs) (laughs) It said back in brackets afterwards. Uh, The study begged the question... This is a dick writer. (laughs) It went, the dorsum, back. That's what they said. I was just... I was editorializing. Oh, no, you're fine. I just don't like this person. was like, I'm going to use a fancy word, but then I'm going to make yeah, sure these dumbass word. readers know what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> um, the, the study begged the question of why, and then misused begged the question. Uh, I thought you were, yeah, have we talked about that? We can. In a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's, yeah. yeah. do you want to? Well, just interesting. I only learned that in, a couple, in the last like five years, that everyone uses begging the question incorrectly. I wonder, though, because language. Oh, what? Maybe it's just, maybe uh, people say beg the question when they mean raise the question. What is beg the question begging, mean? Begging the question is a rhetorical... It's a circular argument, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of an example of it, but um, like someone would say something, it's like, well, you'd say you're begging the question, um, as in you are uh, you are putting forth a an argument that refers to itself, kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, although, it, but nowadays, because language is, Maybe it's language moves on, yeah, when people kind of go, questions. that's not what that word means, well, once it's meant something different for more than a decade, yeah. and been used by the majority of people in that sense, then that is what it now means. But does that mean we have to accept people just using phrases wrong, like one in the same, or things like that, that everyone says that is aren't right? One in the same also incorrect? One and the same. Ah, that makes significantly more yeah. sense. Those two things are one and the same. Yeah. 
Uh, but whatever, one in the same is probably what it is now. It's probably been <laughs> added to... Yeah. But so beg the question, here's the definition from Wikipedia, which is quite neatly done, um, is to, means to assume the conclusion of an argument, a type of circular reading. This is an informal fallacy in which an arguer includes the conclusion to be proven within the premise of an argument, often in an indirect way, such as its presence within the premise is hidden or at least not easily apparent. Example? Like Jeopardy? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have any examples? Um... Uh, when the fallacy of begging the question is committed in a single step, it's sometimes called a hysterion proteron, as in the statement. Never called that. No. (laughs) (laughs) A hysteron, such as in the statement, opium opium induces sleep because it has a soporific quality, (laughs) would be begging the question, when soporific means something that makes you sleep. Yeah. I have another one here. Ah. Freedom of speech is important because people should be able to speak freely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's what begging the question actually is. However, now it just means sort of raises Raising the, question, the question, invites the question, yeah. this suggests. Anyhow, I got us sidetracked from the dinosaurs. You did. So this study raises the question of why after T-Rex's ancestors evolved feathers from an even more ancient scaly forebear, the giant Tyrannosaurus reverted back to scales. Paleontologists believe the first birds appeared 150 million years ago and were descendants of small feathered dinosaurs. The first dino feathers were simply hollow shafts which evolved over time into something resembling their modern shape, engineered for flight. Um, I mean, maybe sometimes they would still just don like a boa just on on a lark (laughs) for a weekend or something, right? Or was there a time when all fabulousness just left the dinosaur family? Left, yeah. Left the T-Rexes. <laughs> they just like to be as they are. Not feathers. Yeah, not, not, nowhere to go for, from that, really. Because <laughs> 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 they didn't have feathers, they had scales. Uh, but th- <laughs> thank you for setting that in. And uh, by the way, if we didn't already mention it, you can email probablyscience at gmail.com to send in stories or tweet at probablyscience. Um, and we link to all these stories over on the Squarespace-powered probablyscience.com. That's also where you can find the donate button if you want to help us out. Has anyone used that donate button in the time? Some people have. James Cassens, Vonimir Kroon, Stuart Holding, Brooks Gilmore, and Ben Marriott all gave uh, monthly donations they set up through PayPal. And Linda Moulton has a very, very generous monthly donation. Thank yeah. you, Linda. Holy uh, shit, Linda. That's yes, always incredibly kind of you. I go for you, Linda. Yes. I'm glad you're doing well for yourself. <laughs> you can spread it. And, and also, what if she's not? What if that's her What if that's her? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, then this podcast is all that gives her joy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're getting it. that much out of it. Okay. Oh, that's just like a really self-destructive streak that Linda has. <laughs> 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 she quit gambling, and now she just gives her money away to podcasts. <laughs> What's the 12-step program for weaning someone off podcast donations? <laughs> They're never allowed on? to have Blue Apron ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever wonder that like people who research dinosaurs are just like big six-year-olds? <laughs> like they just never got it like they they're into trucks and they're yeah, into like, dinosaur like research <laughs> what's your favorite dinosaur i'm a scientist <laughs> I, like dinosaurs. I like space space is cool but dinosaurs are cool this is why we have to stop vaccinating children <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop because 
the weakest dinosaur fans would be. Wait, what's the logic? I don't know. I like, and it I, actually. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just wonder how much. Like, I'm very. This is a good study. I'm. I'm glad that there's a community that is interested in these things. But it yeah. seems like probably a lot of money got spent for people to find out that dinosaurs look the way we thought they looked before. Yeah, that is. I mean, I'm surprised we haven't heard more of that in this administration of like people pointing to what they consider wastes of money on research because it seems specific or esoteric. Um, but we've talked about that before on, on the podcast. And like, even though something might seem like we spent this much to find out how ducks fuck or whatever, like you can't, that one was worth it though. Research. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're out here trying to figure out how T-Rex is yeah. fucked. People are doing Let's it so that our ducks. kids will know. Yeah. <laughs> So that if our kids grow tails because of whatever chemicals are in the water, <laughs> they'll still be able to get it on. Exactly. By 2060, the machines can beat us at everything, but we'll have tails anyway, and we'll have to fucking... Yeah. I would um, love hey, to be uh, jobless you know, with a tail. Sorry. So, <laughs> well, is, since you mentioned vaccines, one of our listeners, who was it? It says um, it was tweeted at us by Bitchin' Boutique, which is a podcast, another podcast. So I don't know whether it was Pitney or Amelia. I don't know which of you wrote in with this, but to say uh, we were talking about vaccines and have you re-upped your vaccines? Because sometimes you can lose um, immunity to things over time, such as um, measles. If you, I don't know whether this counts. Again, if we have any immunologists who listen to the show, I don't think I ever had a measles vaccine, but I had measles as a kid, which I believe gives you full immunity. But can you lose that immunity as much as you can lose vaccine immunity? Um, is measles big in measles is an English thing? Well, it's an international thing, but it was the measles, the fake measles vaccine scare that caused a real measles infection scare. Started off with an English doctor, an English fraudulent doctor, Andrew Wakefield. It seems like until until this recent anti-vaxxer movement, the only time I really ever hear about measles or whooping cough are people in the UK. Well, I'm I'm British and have had both <laughs> some of those things. Is measles the one where you tie a bandana around your head, or is that mumps? Was to what? tell people you have it so they know to stay like, away. You, like the there were all these like old cartoons where someone would get it, like either the measles or the mumps, and they would have like oh, a like, scarf t- tied around. Vertically yeah, around, yeah. Like, the other yeah. one's cancer, but the one where it's tied vertically. Uh, so like Wait, the way I, you do when you have a toothache in a cartoon. Right, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, or if you're a ghost whose jaw is gonna fall open <laughs> in a Christmas Carol, if you don't keep a, um. I don't know. I also had mumps. I really had the full. You had mumps. Yeah, I had mumps as a kid. Is mumps Wait, a, you had all three fatal? of those things. I have. I didn't have rubella, which is the R in the MMR oh, vaccine. You had, but you had measles, mumps, and whooping cough. Yeah. Or as an adult, you had I whooping had whooping cough as an adult, which we talked about on the show, and actually talked about quite recently on this show. Again, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like as a, those are all relatively rare, right? Um. Well, they're becoming and for babies. <laughs> <laughs> I've been running a crash on the side. <laughs> yeah, it was discussed. I think it was last week or the week before where it was discussed the fact that my my mum fell for a whooping cough vaccine scare. Yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, again, false. Oh. All of these are false, but she fell for it in the early eighties when I, I was born in nineteen eighty, and around then that was the that was the vaccine scare of the day. That was the one that people were scared of, and so I never got vaccinated for it. And thirty five years later, I got it. So the, the measles? Uh, no, whooping cough. Whooping I got measles. Cough. I got measles and mumps as a kid. Okay. And I'm not even sure the measles vaccine existed when I was a kid. I'm not sure when it came. That came out. Really? I thought. 
And you guys both had uh, chicken pox, I assume, or not? I had chicken pox I had chicken as a kid. Pox. Yeah. Is that the one where you, I never Which a vaccine exists for that now as well. Does it really? Yeah. That's great. Is Chick- chicken pox the one where if you get it, you can get shingles? If you get it, yes. you can't. You can, you can get okay. shingles. It's the same and it's, it's related to herpes. Chicken yeah, pox is in the herpes that. family, so it's related to herpes, related to cold sores and shingles. I was just looking up measles to see if that was related because it's also a rash thing, but I don't know that it's related to chicken pox. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, I was way... The, the measles vaccine definitely existed when I was a baby because it was first made available in 1971. Ah. Oh, wow. So almost a full decade before I was born. But yeah, I had measles as a kid. But um, yeah, you should check to make sure you're up to date on various vaccines because it turns out you might not do, including where there was the outbreak in Disney a couple of years ago. Among the five Disneyland employees diagnosed, two were previously vaccinated. Wow. And indeed, many a- adults who were vaccinated for measles decades ago are now highly susceptible to the virus, perhaps as many as one in ten of those who were immunized. And we only have to worry about this because people aren't vaccinating their kids, so now it's spreading again? That's exactly the case, yeah. Uh... Because, because idiots are falling for these scams, we're losing herd immunity as a nation. Once... once general immunization gets over a certain level it pretty much kills off the infection because it just doesn't have enough bodies to leap between because it the just chances keeps, of it yeah. yeah once it hit once it hits that sort of 95 percent level around there it depends it varies infection to infection but once it hits a certain level it pretty much can't you guys have like a, with smallpox for example oh yeah that's gone you guys ever fuck with this rock is the white blood is it funny or good I remember really liking it, but <laughs> I don't remember how old I was when I saw it. How often is it transferring between the Bill Murray scale and the inner it's world? It's m- mostly inner world. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just like when you see like a, like Bill Murray treats his body really badly. And uh-huh. so when he like is drinking booze instead of water or like doing something unhealthy, you see that so that you can see the effects it has on the inner world. Like, yeah, Osmosis Jones. This cast, I I would have seen this movie if I had known all the players that were involved in this. Yeah, Chris Rock, Bill Murray, but also Lawrence Fishburne. Ron Howard is the voice of Tom Kalanick. Uh, Kid Rock, of course, voices Kidney Rock, <laughs> as he would. But so does Uncle Cracker and Joe C. They're also listed as Kidney Rock voices. Um, <laughs> Carlos Ellis Rocky from Reno 911. Oh, cool. Go check out Osmosis Jones. Um, by the way, while we're also talking about vaccinations and the like, a couple of people, I know Thomas Elmer was one, I'm not sure who the other was, wrote in to remind us that tetanus and rusty nails are not actually connected. That's a myth. I never knew that. Oh, what does rusty nails kill you with? Just it, rust and nails? Well, you can... Rusty nails um, can harbor... I mean... The rust itself is not dangerous. Like rust isn't something that gives you anything. But um, let me bring up that same thing he said. Um, but the the bacteria is anaerobic. Yeah, it's the dirt and other stuff normally around the rusty pieces of metal that might have the bacteria that could give you tetanus. So dirt is the enemy. But also specifically, I think the fact that um, rust is iron oxide and maybe it's a better environment for these anaerobic bacteria to yeah. live so according to the wikipedia page well firstly tet- tetanus is caused by the tetanus bacterium and it is often associated with rust especially rusty nails although rust itself does not cause tetanus clearly objects that accumulate rust are often found outdoors or in places that harbor anaerobic bacteria 
Additionally, the rough surface of rusty metal provides a prime habitat for the bacteria endospores to reside in due to its high surface area, while a nail affords a means to puncture skin and deliver the endospores deep within the body at the site of the wound. So, so really, the moral is still to avoid still, rust? And if you step yeah. across the nail, it still goes... So the doctor could be like, technically, you're dying, but from a different reason than you thought? <laughs> yeah. You stepped on a rusty nail, but let's not blame the rust. <laughs> you're gonna die, but let's just make sure we point to the right goal. Uh, the bite of a dog can also transmit tetanus. A rusty dog? <laughs> yeah. A dog named Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're grabbing the wound. Ah, trying to stop from bleeding. What's your dog's name? Ah. Um, tetanus is an international health sport prob- international health problem as the spores are ubiquitous. The disease occurs almost exclusively in persons unvaccinated or inadequately immunized. It's more common in hot, damp climates with soil rich in organic matter. So particularly true in manure-treated soils, as the spores are widely distributed in the intestines and feces of many animals, such as horses, sheep, cattle, dogs, cats, rats, guinea pigs, and chickens. So don't put shit or rust in your blood. Yeah. But the rust isn't technically the cause. Um, It's also found on the skin surfaces in contaminated heroin. Well, that's unfair. Yeah. (laughs) You get a specially rusted needle. But again, I like the fact that, you know, people who claim... You know, people who are all about organic food and organic farming and everything, and everything has to be organic. Like, well, there does have some other risks. You are still putting, yeah, it's, shit on the foot. Oh, there yeah, is, you're there is organic bacteria that can do a number on you. Um, I just looked up. You remember Amy Copeland, that woman in Georgia who had a zipline accident and had and had this bacteria that she had to have most of her limbs amputated. I think. No, Jesus, you didn't hear about that. Um, I was seeing if that's related bacteria or not because that's the same kind of climate yeah in georgia in the woods i think she fell off a zip line and just had a leg wound and contracted some kind of but yeah she had necrotizing fasciitis uh no i guess it was a common bacteria but just the fact that it got so deep inside of her system yeah fucking natural organic shit can do a number on you (laughs) is necrotizing fasciitis the one you can get if you eat people i don't think so specifically but sounds good though i'm sure you can get a number of not pleasant things from (laughs) are there diseases known to to be common among cannibals human consumption i thought there was something that rotted either your skin or your brain if you all i know is from seeing uh ravenous with um the guy who played Bagby from Train Spotting is once you taste human flesh, you, you have an insatiable <laughs> hunger for it. And that's all you want to eat. <laughs> Robert Carlyle, great movie. Guy Pierce, Robert Carlyle, Ravenous. Go check it out. That checks out. Doesn't sound as good as Osmosis Jones. No, that's that's your to do list next week. Ravenous and Osmosis Jones. Uh, do we have time for one more story? I do. Oh man, all I want to do is learn about science with you guys. <laughs> what if I, I know that I can, I'm never going to play Go? And if I do, I'm going to lose against a computer. <laughs> I know that uh, T-Rexes look the way I thought T-Rexes looked. Right, right. And I learned that uh, rust is not the true culprit in tetanus. But still, don't step on a rusty nail because you might get tetanus. <laughs> so it's kind of like... what? Yeah. Sounds like rust is like the parent that raised a murderer. Where like, it's not your fault, but like... You're harboring it. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. You created an environment that allowed it to allowed it to flourish. <laughs> it's literally, yeah, you created an environment for these anaerobic bacteria slash multiple murderers. Well, here's a good thing when it comes to when it comes to human treatment. There's a story Justin Broad sent in: a substance found in parasitic worm spit 
Not a good start. <laughs> Might help prevent thousands of amputations a year. I Scientists like in ended. North Queensland have said. James Cook University researchers in Cairns are harnessing the molecule produced by a Thai liver parasite that can supercharge the healing of wounds. Australian Institute of Topical Health and Medicine parasitologist Michael Smout said non-healing wounds were of particular concern for diabetics and smokers. Um, Dr. Smout said the parasite used the molecule to keep its host healthy and prolong its own life. So it'll live for a decade or two and it's munching around your liver and zipping up the wound as it goes. So this is like, it's, it's sort of, it's this weird situation where the parasite needs to live and to live it needs to keep you alive. So it's still a parasite, but it's also ha- treating you, you to keep have you as the a host. common goal. Yeah. yeah. You and the parasite have the common a goal. It's a level of symbiosis. Yeah. That's it- uh, Venom's thing. The symbiote? Right. I don't actually, like I said, I don't know the comic lore, so tell us. I think he's like, a, like a, he's a symbiotic suit, and he makes Spider-Man super strong and heals him a lot faster so that he can have a host. But he doesn't, he never infected Peter Parker, he infected someone else? He infected Peter Parker, and then he later infected, uh... The guy from that 70s show. Yes. I couldn't remember his name. Tobey Maguire, yeah. but that's no. Spider-Man. What is the guy's name? He's got kind of a lazy eye, maybe. Does he have a lazy eye? A little bit, I think. He was in that movie where he's trying to date someone's daughter. (laughs) My boss's daughter? Is that him or is that Aston Kutcher? Oh, no. (laughs) We're in an early 2000s loop. I'm not going to look it up. That 70s show guy, yes. That 70s show guy. Topher Grace. So he gets in Spider-Man first, and then he gets to Topher Grace, and Topher Grace and the symbiote both hate Spider-Man, so it eats away at their... But the symbiote itself, conscience. we call it him as if it's a person, but it's just like a spore. It's just like a, th- a, a virus. And then you become venom when you have the symbiote. Or- I think depending on the, and I'm not well read on this, but I think depending on the universe, it was originally an alien that came down. That had its own like person shaped existence? No, it's, it, it just exists as kind of like an ink blot, like a moving conscious okay. ink blot that needs to attach itself to a host, but has some sort of consciousness. And then when it attaches to a person, that's when we call it venom. Yeah, I think so. Okay. How do you get rid of it? I'm not sure that you do. Oh, wait. What was it in the movie? A bell or something? Like echoes oh, and right. heat. But then it splits off, I think, and it, what's it called? What, what coral does when it makes a baby by itself? Uh, asexual reproduction? Yeah, I think uh, it asexually reproduces to make carnage and then carnage attaches itself to a psycho killer <laughs> I don't know and these then things. it gets way worse and then when does see Thomas this is all the stuff Church... that I just read on yeah. Wikipedia yeah. be yeah. happy with I don't need to read the books I don't need to watch the movies just happy well, that, I just read the pl- read the pricey that one's pretty <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is interesting just because it's so fucking they threw so many things. There's a lot there. Yeah, I got three or four bad guys. This is way too much going on. And what's his face? Was the Sandman Thomas Howell? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas yeah. Hayden Church. He's a... And there's a third bad interesting guy, fellow. There? Yeah, I think Rhino shows up. I think Was one of the... Al Molina? Oh, no, he's Dr. Octopus. Uh... Oh, no. I think Doc Ock is the second one yeah. of the first installment. <laughs> I love that first one, that Sam Raimi first... I guess they're all Sam Raimi, but by the third one, he was crazy. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to... Yeah. So it's estimated around... <laughs> Parasites. It's estimated around that every day, around 12 Australian diabetics have a limb amputated because of a non-healing wound. And globally, people underwent amputations every 30 seconds. Eesh. Around one in seven diabetics in Australia at one point have a, a non-healing wound. 
The researchers have developed a cream containing the molecule that has been successfully tested on mice. They are anesthetized and wounded and kept, and then we monitor the wound closure. He said it could. Ho- he hoped it could become a treatment for humans, at first applied under doctor's supervision, but potentially as a take-home treatment. But the scientists warn it could be at least a decade before the treatment is made available in humans. In order to make the cream effective, the scientists also had to learn to fold it into the right shape. We think of it like screwing up a scrunched, ball, a scrunched up ball of paper that won't fly particularly far, but if you give it the right folds, if you give it nice big wings, it'll be able to glide a long distance. Initially, when we made the molecule in the lab, it had an undefined shape and it caused a little bit of wound healing. But by giving this, it this extra bond, we've been able to make it form the right shape and become extra active. So it's like mega neosporin? Yeah, kind of. That's, yes. <laughs> neosporin made out of parasitic worm spit. Yeah. It's going to be great for marketing. Just put this worm spit on it. <laughs> if they have like a really cool Osmosis Jones style anthropomorphic worm who's spitting in the ads. <laughs> they bring Earthworm Jim back just oh, for this. Yeah, that's what I was, well, then we've got that's to- kind of what I was picturing when you said Osmosis Jones is Earthworm Jim, I think. <laughs> just anything with a number of syllables and then a monosyllabic but they also kind of look similar I think don't they Osmosis Jones is blue but he's kind of worm like yeah I guess he's got like worm like tendencies you can shoot him and he regenerates should make a sad one though where Bill Murray gets AIDS and so Osmosis Jones is having a hard time (laughs) (laughs) that's bleak I like it that's for the reboot (laughs) (laughs) Stop pitching it now. You're in Hollywood now, Curtis. You moved that. to LA to become a TV writer. <laughs> yeah, that was 2001. That was before Bill Murray just turned to like all sad sack roles. Like everything since then has just been like, yeah. Was that because of his divorce? Did he start doing all that? I don't know. We'll find out when we get him on the podcast. When's that going to happen again? Yeah, we'll ask him. I, I can't yeah. remember next week. Do you call that hotline yeah. pretty often? The Bill Murray hotline? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't have a, uh, a manager, right? Yeah, apparently he just has that self that phone service he checks like twice a year. That's yeah, awesome. supposedly supposedly the way to get it, Bill Murray to do your project is you phone this answer phone. In the middle le- of the desert? And leave a message. <laughs> I, I kind of picture it as being in the middle of the desert. That's how I picture it. You, you leave a message on this voicemail and describe your project and what he would be doing in it. And then you may or may not get a call back. And then if your name <laughs> happens to be, I'm not going to look this up, I just want to believe that it's true, that he did Garfield because he thought the Coen brothers were doing it, but someone named He said Cohen. it in an interview. I read the interview where he said that. <laughs> he thought it was oh. a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. And it's a different, it's it's a C-O-H-E-N Coen, not right. C-O-E-N. Don't you have to sign a lot of paperwork before you're on a movie? Like, you're how the kind of he... guy who doesn't have any reps and you just that's answer a good point. your voicemail to me. You're like, oh, one of the Coens is writing it? Cool, that's going to be good. <laughs> it might have even been someone named Joel or Ethan Coen, but with an H. So he was like, oh, okay. Um, it's like yeah. Paul Wes Anderson, Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson and Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, and Dave LaChapelle. Yeah, like that, yeah. <laughs> Bob Marley. Wait, is there a second Bob Marley? He's a white uh, stand-up oh, from Maine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Albert Brooks. This is Albert Einstein. This is really? His real name. Yeah, because yeah, his wow. brother is Bob Einstein from like The Letterman Show. From Super Dave. <laughs> why is he named Bob? Why does that Bob become Dave? Yeah. Right? Isn't that Super Dave? Uh, yeah, yeah. Super Dave exactly Osborne is. is Bob Einstein? Yeah. So Albert Brooks' real name is Albert Einstein. That's great. Hey, um, 
Where do we go? From yeah, here? it was it was Joe, it was Joel Cohen. Oh, well, I was going to ask. Oh, Joel, it was. Okay, it was Joel Cohen. I was going to ask Curtis where our listeners can find out more about him and what he does. Where where can they find you, Curtis? <laughs> where Sorry. can they track you down? Oh my gosh, listeners, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Curtis underscore Cook or at curtiscookcomedy.com. I will be doing uh, much more science-based material after <laughs> yeah. being inspired by this podcast. Hang on, wait a sec. Can you have underscores and Twitter handles? Yeah. Seriously? Can you? Yeah. Okay. It's not fortunate. It's just because uh, regular Curtis Cook is a dad who hasn't tweeted since 2009. Oh, it's the worst. And you don't even want to ask them because, you know, they're not going to give it to you. But Yeah. I want to see what the last... Um, Dad Curtis Cook tweeted. I haven't gotten Andy Wood on anything, so I don't even try. It's just Andy. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, there's First a... time I tried, I couldn't, so it's been Andy T. Wood for every platform. Oh, that's solid, though. Mm. There's yeah. hundred... So he's a, he's a net developer and a web developer. He has 37 followers. He has done some stuff. He's he's retweeted some stuff more recently. Oh, okay. I know he last tweeted himself on in December 2016. Oh, okay. Good for him. Glad he's active. I, uh, I was I was in a bar over the weekend and they had Comedy Central on. I saw you on a, a Clusterfest show. Oh yeah, that, that was something? a lot of fun. What was is that going to re-air? Or was it a one time? I doubt that it will re-air on television, but I th- believe that they have access to the taped special uh, on their website. If you do, guys just look up Colossal Clusterfest. Colossal Clusterfest. You can yeah. watch me tell a joke. Um, oh, was it was it really quick short segments for everybody? Yeah, everybody got. They had three days worth of things to cover, so everybody oh, got okay. real quick cuts, uh, which was great because it was like I got as much time as they gave like Vince Staples, which is like a great feeling. You That's know? awesome. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, check those out. Check out the Jim Jeffrey show on Comedy Central, and you'll oh, see yeah. words that. Curtis and I have both put into his mouth. See those words? See those words. (laughs) You will see those words with your own eyes. That was very professional. I keep forgetting to plug the show. I'm bad at at plugging and self-promoting. And also, I think, I don't know how much us plugging it. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Every listener watched it and told two of their friends to watch it. That would make a difference. That would make, yeah. a fair number of viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, in the modern TV environment where there's so many different channels and it's not like back in the day when everyone in the country decided between the two shows. Yeah. Like, Which of the two programs <laughs> should we watch? The first show I ever worked on, I think, got... Uh, the viewership was about a 20th of what that one Wired video we did two weeks ago got. Yep. <laughs> that was like a show with a budget that's on an actual TV show. Yeah, so that's kind of bonkers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, check that out. Have a look at that. Find, you can find us at Probably Science mm-hmm. and ProbablyScience.com. You can find us individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Yep. Give us a follow if you're not already following. Give us a subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Do you guys and, got a Patreon page? Uh, we don't have a Patreon page. We've been very that. bad about that, but we yeah. do have the donation button Someday. on the website, and Someday. people have set up monthly donations, and that's very kind of them. That's or also kind. one-off donations. We appreciate them all. It mm-hmm. helps us keep this thing going. And spreading the word is another very nice thing that you can do if you're not in a position to be able to send us any kind of money. Tell other people to listen to us. Write nice things about us on the internet. Write nice things about us on the iTunes page. Give us cool reviews. You're a sweet person. <laughs> you're like doing this very nice thing right now. <laughs> like, it's not. Is it nice? It's like, broke ass can't pay us, please. 
That's so nice. Well, you know, it's a, it's still a fundamentally a free podcast. We very yeah, much appreciate so... anyone who does choose to donate, but it's not compulsory. It's nice to be a part of a podcast that has an audience to be nice to. <laughs> We're very <laughs> lucky. Something about science means we haven't had... I think we've had like one shithead in five years who's tweeted at us. Yeah, we've we very... Everyone else is really solid. Our listeners tend to be very nice, cool people. You don't yeah. get any like anti-science people? Like it seems like probably science would. I don't think we're prominent enough. And I think the probably in the title is enough. Yeah, <laughs> everyone gets it. There's <laughs> enough space for doubt that it dissuades any of the people. I'm trying to think, that, like the biggest negative criticism is just if we talk about politics too much. But it's like we're living in a crazy time. It's kind of interesting. But um, yeah, yeah for the most part, science is getting all fucked up now. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, I don't want to go down this road again. But what, what, it'll be cool <laughs> to be able to say. Once this whole thing has passed, we got to see this craziness go down. Because this will be a blip in history that will be remembered. Or it'll be the end. But, like, you know, this will be a crazy time. You'll tell your kids, like, yeah, I was around when that fucking orange-haired guy was the president of the country. Like, really? He was, yeah, it was real. It happened. So there's that. Um, anyway. And with that... <laughs> Curtis, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Listeners, we will be here next week. Take care. Yep, thanks. Bye. Bye.